to another edition of Bass Edge Radio. Bass Edge brought to you by MegaWare Keel Guard, the maker of the Flex Step and Skeg Guard. Be sure to check out all of their products at KeelGuard.com. In the house for our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight is the 2014 All-American FLW Weekend Series Champion. That's right, Aaron. We've got the winner of the whole kit and caboodle for all you weekend anglers. I'm excited to have him on the show today. Let's be sure you put your seatbelt on, sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. Bass Edge Radio will be right back. know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerpole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Powerpole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerpole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerpole, swift, silent, secure. Visit Powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. In three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Aaron, wow, what a summer. It's already flying by. Man, I am just super excited about all the things that have happened and that are going to happen here in the next several weeks. I'm getting ready to head up north to uh, do a little bass fishing on the Elite Series, so uh, stoked about that. And recently, I just got done with my youth camp, and uh, that was a ton of fun. A couple things that you said there. One is just how quickly the year has passed us, which I think as you get older, I think that uh, tends to happen much more quickly. Looking at some of the guests that we've had, you know, the docket <laughs> has been tremendous. Also looking forward to who is on the slate for the last remaining, say, five and a half months. Pretty exciting. And then, Kurt, like what you said with the kids camp. I mean, what a tremendous way to not only get people engaged, but be able to educate them, because obviously that's what Bass Edge is. But what you're doing there with your entire staff down on Lake Amistad, how did it go? It went really good. I got I to gotta give a quick shout out to all the people that helped, you know, ask anglers to come down. I certainly tap on some of my tour guy friends. Keith Combs was down, Cliff Crochet, Denny Brower, Harold Allen, Dave Mansu. Got a couple of guides here locally, T.R. Andreas, Olin Jensen. And then I tap on a couple of guys from out west, you know, Tyler Wilson. Glad that he could be a part of the camp. And of course, we got our locals too, the local tournament guys, Timmy Renault. If you want to come down and your child or, or your youth is super interested in bass fishing and they want to get better, improve their skills, improve their educational level, you know, I've got this thing that I do every summer here at Lake Amistad, Pro Bass Camp. And you can check it out. We've got a little website. It's nothing fancy, but uh, probasscamp.com. We do a four-day camp with all those anglers and 
just dive right into fishing for four or five days here at Lake Amistad. So a great opportunity for some folks. And, man, it's just a ton of fun. Probably the uh, one thing that comes around every year, you know, last episode we talked about the soldier and you guys through the Wounded Warriors Project being able to provide a mortgage-free home. And to me, you know, offering this to these kids, although there is a slight participation fee for what they're getting and what they're walking away with, I just see smiles at the end of the rainbow every time. So it's a lot of fun. Well, it is and you know certainly in this day and age with all the outcropping and expansion with high school fishing and college fishing and i've talked to several guys that are going to college on scholarships beyond just the financial implications that it may have for your youth by being a part of this learning that education maybe being able to advance their skills to go on to a college to fish on their fishing team or win tournaments down the road beyond that is just the sheer experience so get out there check out the camp because i know last year it filled up so quickly and with the crack staff that you have you read off a a legendary list of who's who in the bass fishing world there and it's not only in the classroom but on the water and such a tremendous experience and along those same lines kurt today's guest i'm really excited because it tacks on to exactly what your camp is kind of the progression of an angler's growth in the sport and we have a phenomenal guy a guy that i've known for a very long time that is going to share his story about how he made it not only two but also one by a pretty significant margin the 2014 FLW All-American and remember that is the tournament that it is a brutal road to get to it starts at the local level on up through the regionals and then eventually you're competing against some of the best anglers that are out there across the nation yeah Marcus I know a little bit about his journey I'm looking forward to hear all the details about the journey and the neat thing about this is whether you're a tournament angler or not there's a lot of lessons to be learned within this process that he went through so I'm really excited to hear about that and uh, Aaron I'll tell you what I've been using the snot out of my boat this year. Of course, you know, fishing the Elise, I know you've been spending a good time on the water. Midsummer is a great time to think about some maintenance, isn't it? Boy, it is. And I have the system on there through Mercury where it gives me the feedback and hours and everything like that. It helps me keep in touch with my maintenance. But it's a great time of year to start thumbing through and start thinking about to keep that stuff running, not only on the boats, motors, and trailers, but also your tow vehicles because the last thing that you want is breakdown. And nobody else better to give us those tips and point us in the right direction. Then Bass Edge staff, house chemist. Bet you didn't know we had a house chemist there, Kurt. It is Mark Negust of the Marine Tech Minute presented by ProtectTheHarvest.com. Let's see what Mark has to say. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. And here we go. It's time for Tech Minute, presented by ProtectTheHarvest.com, featuring the man who's likely to have element 119 on the periodical table named after him. Welcome back, Mark Negus from Lucas Oil. Mark, we've got a question from Bryce of Santa Fe, New Mexico. You talk a lot about using ethanol and upper cylinder lubricant in my truck and outboard. Is it possible to ever over-treat and damage the motors? 
Well, you know, in automotive applications as well as in outboard applications, you want to make sure that you use the upper cylinder in four-stroke applications. The uh, ethanol fuel can be used in both two-stroke and four-stroke. So when you're talking about the ethanol fuel, you really cannot over-treat. It's designed to give an optimum performance at a certain treat rate, but if you do put more in, all you're going to do is just see more benefit because you're going to have a more active ingredient in there, which is just going to give you additional performance. On the upper cylinder lube, again, we recommend that for four-stroke applications only. We don't recommend it for two-stroke applications. You really cannot over-treat on the upper cylinder for four-stroke automotive and outboard applications. It's a naturally designed product that is designed to be used at a certain concentration, but if you do add an additional amount, you will not see any adverse effects whatsoever. Well, Bryce, we certainly appreciate the question, and ultimately, I think the answer comes down to remember to read the back of the bottles for directions, and don't forget, must be 21, pay attention to the born on date, and never <laughs> leave home without a koozie cup. More is better. Bass Edge, back in a moment. Two fishermen came together with one agenda, to construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish with our boats exhilarating handling and smooth ride extreme rough water just doesn't exist we're not just building a boat we're building a legend legend boats this is facts and fishing host dave mercer and you're listening to bath edge radio We've got this angler back by popular demand. He had one of the most explosive Bass Edge radio podcasts of 2013 when he rattled off jerkbait tips like he was a bass chasing one. We've got him here today to discuss a huge win he had last month in the FLW All-American. Welcome back to Bass Edge Radio, Marcus Sakura. Thanks for checking in with us. Absolutely, guys. Great to be with you. I know that I'm with you guys, and something's good happening in my life. So I hope to visit with you as often as I can. Absolutely, dude. How sweet it must feel, and you're never going to get tired of hearing this. All-American champ. I mean, it's basically the national championship for weekend warriors, and it's a title that has really a legendary status connection. Surely it could not have happened to a better guy and angler. Marcus, what does winning the All-American mean to you? Well, I appreciate the accolades, Aaron. And, you know, it means a lot of things, you know. I mean, I guess it means a tremendous amount of just sheer awe, to be honest with you. I mean, it's been a whirlwind ever since I won it. And, and I guess in the moment, you don't realize how big of a deal it is. But now that I've had to settle in and I've been able to visit with folks and get all the accolades and compliments and all of the things that I've gotten, it really has resonated as far as its magnitude in my life. Huge sacrifices, lots of losses, lots of learning experiences, and lots of, uh, lots of successes have led me to this path. And I couldn't be more proud of what I've done. It was, you know, right place, right time. And to do all of the things together on a stage as large as what that was, it's been an absolute joy and, uh, and whirlwind for me, guys. Man, that's awesome, Marcus. I tell you what, we're just going to kind of call this the All-American Chat. Let's try and categorize this. You've got the road to qualify, then you've got pre-practice, and then the event itself. How did you qualify to fish the All-American? For most of your listeners, if they don't understand the actual uh, nuts and bolts of it, the, the short and sweet is you have to fish a division in the BFL, and you have to qualify in the top 40 points. And then the top 40 points gets invited to a regional where they actually host four different divisions. 
So there's 160 people that have qualified for that event. And then at the regional, they take the top six boaters and top six co-anglers and move them on to the All-American. And then once you get to the All-American, you're fishing against, uh, you know, 48, 49 other people in that event. So the road to qualify, this is something that whenever I boil it all down to, the thing that I'm most proud of and the thing that I'm also most gracious for was the road to qualify. And, and let me tell you a little bit about it. So I live at Lake of the Ozarks here in South Central Missouri. And the year before, I had qualified for the All-American because the regional was on Kentucky Lake. Well, Kentucky Lake, as all of your listeners know, it's the mecca when it comes to bass fishing. It's God's country is how I refer the All-American. So the bottom line is on the All-American, when I'm looking at the schedule, I go and I get my teeth kicked in last year. Well, I come back and I'm hungry and I look at the schedule and there's another regional on Kentucky Lake. So the closest division that goes to the Kentucky Lake Regional is Illinois. Never been to Illinois fishing, never fished any of the lakes. Do they have bass there? Not very many. It's a brutal division. I think anybody would tell you how difficult it is because every event are in an honest, legitimate scenario to blank. So the closest lake is about four and a half, five hours from my house. So I would remember pulling out of my driveway. I've got a six-year-old and a four-year-old now at my home and my lovely wife. And literally, I'm not a soft guy, but I am emotionally in tune. And I honestly remember pulling out of the driveway, my kids not wanting me to go, and my wife not really looking forward to watching the kids for the next three days without my presence there. And literally, it would take me till I got to the interstate to get the tears out of my eyes. It was a real true sacrifice. I, I can't wow. tell you how emotional it was to just pull out of the driveway with kids going, Dad, don't go, knowing you're going to fish somewhere that, quite frankly, you have an honest chance to blank. And they're just such small fisheries. You don't know them. You don't know what's good. You don't know what's bad. Make a long story short, I did that all year. And I ended up, you know, maybe in the 20 spot out of the top 40 to qualify out of Illinois. Go to the regionals, catch a top six. I think I ended up in fourth or fifth. And then actually got to qualify for the All-American on Wilson. So that was really kind of the road to qualification. And the thing that was really, really neat about it was I had a plan to go here, here, and here. And the thing, like I said, once again, that I'm most proud of is I was able to execute on that plan. Or else I did it all for nothing. Even on the short-sightedness of that, you're driving away from the house. Every time you go fish a BFL in the Illini division or, or the division in Illinois, and it's like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> I mean, it's Seriously. Yeah. I'm I'm serious. Well, and here's the deal. I mean, like, so I would go and I would practice the first program I've ever blanked in my life. I pitched one over there on Lake Shelbyville. And the other events, you know, it was so tough. The first event, I think I took a top six or seven. I had two fish. There were 70 blanks. The second event, you know, I think I, I pitched the second blank. That was my zero. So now I'm just like, what's going on here? You know, then the third event, you know, I'd catch a couple. Like literally, I would catch one or two and be driving home and just questioning myself, is it worth it? Well, thankfully, I can now sit on this side of the desk and say, you know what? It was more than worth it. So I'm going back to Illinois again <laughs> because the regionals on Kentucky Lake again. And I'm going to try to put the plan together and uh, and try to execute once again. Well, and just think of, you know, that experience as, you know, gives me chills, goosebumps, any angler that's out there that knows, you know, not only being away from the family, but also just the mental warfare of what you're doing, huge risk. If you don't make the regional, 
you roll the dice and maybe that's that's the end of it. Maybe you never try something like that again. But because you were willing to kind of put this goal out there, you know, it's much like what we talk about all the time with Dr. Jay McNamara in the psychology of exceptional fishing. Sometimes you got to fake it till you make it and just take that risk, take that chance. It's all about risk and it's all about chance to get to these types of events. And I've just been so fortunate and so blessed to be able to take advantage and understand that. And, and let me tell you too, the listeners out there, the thing that it's done for me personally, not emotionally, but I'm just talking about personally, the sheer moment when it comes to bass fishing, to get that far outside of your box, to go to a lake system that you've never seen before and fish a whole series on lakes you've never seen before that are very, very low in bass population, it's made me three times of a better fisherman than what I've ever been. And the reason is this, you know, we're blessed here in Missouri. We have abundant fisheries. In Missouri, when I'm fishing a BFL or another event, I'm not worried about catching a limit. I'm worried about catching 22 or 23 pounds. So you're just pedal to the metal nonstop. Well, in Illinois, every cast, you're so focused on just getting a bite. And you don't know if it's going to come at noon or 2 o'clock or when it's going to come, but you're literally trying to catch one fish. And to get everything blocked out of your brain, and focus on right here and right now. Man, I got to be honest with you, it's a huge learning curve for me. And I think that's really what helped me temper the whole entire event down there at Wilson. Well, Marcus, I think that is something that even our non-tournament anglers can take from this because it's all about keeping things in perspective. If you're fishing in Florida to where the land of the Giants or Texas, that's a lot different than going to Missouri, which is a lot different than going to Illinois. But as long as you go into that with the proper, should I say, perspective, that helps you control your emotions to be a better angler. Because, quite frankly, there's a lot of people. Illinois used to have one of, next to Indiana, one of the largest federations that exist out there. So that tells you there's a lot of anglers out there. So, obviously, they have a different mentality, per se, than possibly anglers in Texas and Florida. Yeah, they do. And, and I'm here to tell you what, you know, we've kind of said something about the fisheries in Illinois, but let me tell you what, there's some damn great fishermen in Illinois. I mean, you know, in the All-American, they had six people from that division, including myself, qualify for the All-American. you got multiple people in that division have been to four, five, six All-Americans before in their life. So, you know, whenever you put that in perspective, it has definitely crafted a high-level, high-performing fisherman that keeps everything right between their ears up there. It's just a completely different scenario than anything else. But I'm here to tell you, that perspective, that attitude, fortunately, I was able to embrace it. And that's what's made the difference in improving my own particular game when it comes to catching fish. What scares me is I've known you for a very long time. Obviously, you've always been a dominant force in the Missouri region. And now when you said you're going to put the plan together and, and how much better fishermen that you're going to be. Certainly, uh, you are a national threat. Hats off there. But the championship took place on Wilson Lake, a TVA impoundment in northern Alabama. How do you approach the pre-practice period to prepare for the event? Because remember, for our listeners, you have an off-limits period that's kind of between the tournament leading up to it. So you can't be on the water uh, several days in advance. So walk us through that process briefly, and then we'll kind of dive off into the adjustments and those type of things. Okay, sure. First of all, the TVA chain of lakes is obviously, in my opinion, the best river system in the entire United States of America. I mean, I go to Illinois to qualify for Kentucky, which is Kentucky is obviously a TVA lake. I mean, they're all unbelievable. The lake itself is about 12, 13, 14 miles long. It's not very long, and it's about a mile wide. The lower end of the lake is similar to, you know, a mid-range level fishery, similar to Lake of the Ozarks or something. You know, a lot of deep water, a lot of points that run out in the lake, so on and so forth. It's got some boat docks on it. 
that upper section is a lot flatter, and the real key up there is you got Wheeler Dam, which has a lot of current that generates the tail race of Wheeler Dam. So going into it, I knew that I had to look at three different types of plans. So last year, I got my teeth kicked in at Nickajack in the All-American because I was one-dimensional. So I said, this event, the only thing that I want to focus on is A, my goal is to make a top 10, and B, my goal is to make sure that I have more than one trick up my sleeve. So I spent a lot of time breaking down that tailwater, really fishing current. It's not something we have a lot of here in the Midwest. Fishing tail races, understanding current seams and the way the current adjusts and all of those things. Spent a lot of time looking at that. Spent a lot of time cranking on that upper end, a lot of time on the shallower uh, live shell bed. That's the Tennessee River. You cannot go in the Tennessee River without understanding shell beds. They're fish magnets. The fish thrive to them. It's typically a place that gets a lot of current. That's why those shells are exposed. It's just a very, very conducive environment for that. And then the lower end was so clear that I really wanted to focus on fishing a lot deeper, that 25 to 30 foot range. And I just wanted to put those three things into my perspective and go down there and take a look at all three of those different scenarios. Well, it sounds like a very multidimensional approach. When you're practicing and looking for these areas, how much time are you able to spend? You've got a day job. You've got things to take care of at home, as you discussed earlier. How long does it take to put this plan together? Once again, I'm very blessed. My wife is a tremendous support center at home, making sure that the children are taken care of. So that's one factor that I don't have to worry about. The other thing is I'm also blessed is I've got a tremendous team in my state farm agency that I don't have to worry about whenever I leave, if things are going right or not. A tremendous amount of my success relies on me surrounding myself with other successful people and very, very thankful for them. But whenever you get into that particular thing, you know, you get about a 10-day off-limits period. And I really want to spend, I spent about, I think, five full days down there, like a Monday through Friday. And I left early Friday morning, I think is what it was, because I just seen enough. I knew kind of what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. And I was able to put some things together. So the first day, the tailwater race, everyone's saying tailwater, tailwater, tailwater. Well, I don't know how to fish tailwaters that well. I mean, that's where those guys come. That's where Kerry Milner went last year at Nickajack. So I really wanted to digest that. So I spent basically a full day understanding current movements, understanding bass position, understanding timing and bait presentation in the tail race. But more than anything, what I'd love to do is I'd pull up the map, I'd get behind that hummingbird 1199, and I would just go and I would just idle and zigzag and grid and do everything I could to look for little nuances and structure because those fish were postponed. But they were fresh postponed. And what I mean by that is this. I wanted to find out where I thought they would be in 10 days. I didn't care where they were today. I wanted to know where they were going to be in 10 days when we were coming back and we were shooting real bullets. So that's really what I try to do and what I try to go through mentally on understanding and breaking down that way. Gotcha. Wow, this is an interesting story. Let's take a quick break. We're going to pause for a moment. Bass Edge Radio with Marcus Sikora. We'll be right back. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, you're guaranteed to get the everyday low price on the parts you need. Our guaranteed low prices ensure you're always getting our best deal. In fact, we'll match any local auto parts store's price on any like item. We have the parts you need at prices you can be sure of at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Edge Radio presented by MegaWare Keelguard returns with the 2014 All-American Champ Marcus Sakura in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil, high-performance marine products from real oil to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirement. Visit them at lucasoil.com. It is 
works. All right, Marcus, here we go. We've gone through the road to qualify, pre-practice. Let's talk to our listeners about the event itself. How does this go down? How do you become the All-American champion? Well, first of all, that lake is just amazing. Uh, literally in practice, I was catching the worst day I think I had. Maybe, you know, my best five might have weighed 23, 24. Several of those days, I thought I was pushing the 30-pound mark. And that was just, you know, one cast here, one cast there. After I identified the school, the downside to it was it was very small. And uh, the caliber of fishermen that were in it, they're going to figure out the easy stuff too. So make a long story short, there was one school of fish that I had found in practice. I threw about five or six casts in on them. And every time I throw in there, there was no way I could ever get my bait back without a big and on the end of the hook. So we run around, we run around, we run around. Because what happens is you get one day of practice. And so that one day you're paired with your day one co-angler just to make things easy on logistics. We drive up the lake and I said, hey, I've got a spot right here. I don't know if they're still here, but we're going to try them. Don't get up. I'm going to make one cast. So literally I throw my crankbait out there and I'm riding it through on the line that I've identified. And all of a sudden, you know, my crankbait hits the bottom. I look back at them and I'll never forget this. I said, man, I should have already caught one by. And before I could get the word now out of my mouth, a heavy four crushed it. So I looked at them. I said, man, if they're here... It's going to get ugly. We're starting here tomorrow morning. Day one, we blast off up there. Literally, it was the most unbelievable time I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I think in maybe 10 or 15 casts, I had probably 23 pounds. He had about 18 in the same amount of time. We doubled up one time. Both of our fish are under the bed. I said, whoever's fish comes up first, the other guy's got to get the net. Mine comes up first. He nets it. It's a heavy four. I grab the net from him. I slide it over. His fish comes up, and I go to net it, and he's got a heavy four on the front hook and a three-pound brown on the back hook. I mean, netting three at one time was just ridiculous. You could not say <laughs> throw. That is freaking crazy. It's mayhem. No, it was mayhem. It was insane. So literally, the first 15 minutes of the tournament, I got 23 pounds, and he's got 18. We run around. You know, nobody saw us. Nobody knew we were there. I kind of hit the panic button, like, hey, let's get out of here because we got to preserve them. We run off. We fish some other stuff, and then we come back about an hour later. This is a cool story, too. My co-angler would attest to this. We get there, and my co-angler says, hey, if I catch 20, I'm done. So I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, I mean it. I'm like, okay, cool. I literally put my rod down. We run back out there to the spot. Put my rod down, pick up the net. I said, you see that tower over there? He's like, yeah. He said, throw at it. He's like, what? I said, throw at the tower. He throws his crankbait at the tower, reels it. I see his crankbait going down with his rock tip. I see him start hitting the bottom, and I see one just crush it. He reels it all the way in. I netted it's a heavy four. He's got 21 pounds. He says, I'm done. I'm like, okay, cool. So I pick up a bigger crankbait because what I don't want to do is I don't want to catch anything less than four. I throw it out there, first cast, catch a heavy five, second cast, catch another five. Third cast, I throw out there, and I'm reeling it through there. I set the hook. It was my kicker for the day, day one. It was a 7.33. So that gave me five. that weighed 26.11 at about 9 o'clock in the morning, day one of the All-American. My calling was, uh, he had a couple of uh, fish care penalties, so he has almost 21. And we take out down the lake, and we go hunt nice, and we hang out underneath the bridge and sit in the shade for the rest of the day. Yeah, I'm going to have a few <laughs> beers, hang out, enjoy it, talk to the people at the dock, you know. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. I, I thought about pulling a page out of, uh, who was it? order pizza down there for you. Yeah, it was Timmy Horton did it his champagne. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm pulling the page of the Horton's book, but I, I didn't want to do that. But anyways, that was day one. Day two, I go out there. Same thing. I got a camera boat with me. I've got a uh, photographer with me. We go out there and make a long story short. It's the same thing that happens. It's just fast and furious and they're big. And, and what it was, was there is a half moon that the current has carved out on this bar. And it's a half moon that's about the size of maybe one and a half boat lengths. Not very big, extremely subtle. On one side of the half moon, which is literally 30 foot from the other, there's a school of post-spawn fish, fresh post-spawners. 
five, six pound head, four or five pound body. On the other side of the half moon, there's a school right there that are totally filled out. That was probably the first school I found. They've been there those 10 days feeding up. They're full, they're solid. And same thing happens. I catch 23, 24. My co catches 23, 24. We go and we idle over to the bank. There's a bluff cut there. And I go ahead and secure the boat there. And we just sit there and we watch. The camera boat's left. Everybody left. Nobody sees us. We're sitting there and I'm just watching the spot. And time goes through and time goes through and time goes through. And I'm like, you know what? I'm scrolling through my column rights and I see that I got three in the four pound class. And I was like, you know what? I'm going back out there and I'm going to keep cast until I stop culling. Slide the boat out there. First cast, five pounder. Second cast, five pounder. Third cast, five pounder. Fourth cast, a 420 or 430. I had total on my column rights, I had 27. So literally, I was done. <laughs> let, let me, let's just put this in perspective real quick. We're talking about Lake Wilson in northern Alabama, TVA Lake. In research, what's a good bag on Wilson? I mean, isn't mid-20s like just crushing them? Yeah, it is. In the spring, they catch some giant stringers. But see, here's the thing that's misleading about Wilson. A lot of times, they'll have those tournaments come out of Pickwick. And so it'll be a Pickwick event, but the team that actually wins it locks up to Wilson, and they don't ever talk about it. They don't ever discuss it. Wilson Lake is full of gators, full of it. I didn't know. I just thought, you know, 19, 20 a day, you know, just using general math everywhere else in the country, you're going to be in a catbird seat. But after what I saw in practice, I knew it would take 25 a day. So I'm not going to stop until I get to that point. For our fresh listeners out there, gators means monkeys, biggins, giant fish. He's not talking about alligators, just just to clarify. (laughs) That's exactly right. So that's my day two in a nutshell. Go back, weigh in. Everything's great. Day three, of course, I have a armada following me. Both of those days, what they were doing is they were generating about 30-some thousand CFS through Wheeler. And I could tell there was some current out there on my trolling motor. But it wasn't really in the current. The last day, they pumped it up to 50-some thousand. And, like, I let off my trolling motor in that boat. You would feel it slide backwards. And just to translate, CFS is cubic feet per second. So that's uh, going from 30 to 50,000 is... Yeah, like open the floodgates, man. That's exactly right. I mean, they were juicing the generators on that thing. And I think what happened is what is it repositioned that school somewhere else on that bar because there was there had never been. I've never seen that much current come in on that spot. So the school was gone. So, you know, I caught a couple little ones on a crankbait. But then the last day, what I had to do is I had to buckle down and I had to go ahead and throw like a chompers football jig or like a Zoom old monster in there and really fish really slow to catch my way. Going into the day three, I had a 14-pound, 6-ounce lead. Yeah, it's a pretty comfortable lead. <laughs> yeah, well, it is, but you got to remember, that's only three bites on that lake. It's just one of those situations where, fortunately, it all worked out. But looking back on it, and I've been so, so blessed on being able to win several events, but 99% of the events that I've won, I was meant to win. In other words... I didn't scratch and claw. It wasn't a last-second fish. It was just like putting the puzzle together and gaining momentum throughout the day. And this was no different. In the defining moment when I look back on this and say, hey, how did you win or what was it that contributed to win, obviously, besides the obvious of that school? It was me going back out there and the first day going from 23 to 26 and the second day going from 24 to 27. Those six pounds right there that I decided to go ahead and put on top of what I had that gave me that larger lead, you know, I only won the event by like four and a half pounds. 
And that was the difference in the victory right there. That was the, the one decision I made that I'm thankful that I made looking back on all of it. Well, Marcus, you're one of the better interviews that we have, but you're also one of the toughest because, dang it, you give so much information that, you know, turns this thing in. There's so many lessons that can be taken. We're not. It's not like we're just sitting here going through, you know, play-by-play, moment-by-moment on the tournament. The bigger picture is there's so many little tokens that all anglers can take from what you just described there. And so before we head into where we're going to give away $100 here in a second. I need you to summarize a couple things because obviously what you've done has a lot of implications. You're going on to the FLW Championships at Lake Murray. Obviously, that's a big deal for yourself and for anybody that gets to fish that, but you're a successful angler many times over. And what I think a lot of us want to know is there's something that you're doing to be more successful than your competition. And if you had to kind of pin it down, what is or is that not? Well, thank you once again for the accolades, Aaron, but I think more than anything, when I think about the way that I am so fortunate in fishing is the same way that I'm so fortunate in my business and everything else. I mean, the one thing that I do, that I'm not saying I do any better or any different than anybody else, but I work extremely hard at it. And the thing that I've learned is the harder you work, the luckier you get. The sacrifices away from my family, the sacrifices away from my office, the sacrifices all winter long, sinking brush piles and idling for hours on end looking for that magical spot. All of those things that you do, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And, and that more than anything is really what I've done in my attitude in life is I don't care if first place is an empty beer can. I want it. That doesn't mean that if I don't get it, I'm disappointed as long as when I don't get that empty beer can or that first place prize, that first place check or that first place promotion in my business. As long as I've left everything on the table, on the playing field, that everything I could have done physically and emotionally, then I'm fine with it. Like last year in the All-American, I was so one-dimensional, it drove me crazy. I was dead set coming into this thing to make sure I look at all facets, even if it was outside of my comfort zone, to make sure that I did not do that. Worst case scenario, I'd leave it all in the game field no matter how it settled out. I know you're big into balance. You not only want to be good in the individual micro areas that you're involved, but it's also looking at the macro level that you want to be good in family life and your business, all the things that you just mentioned. Now that you're holding the empty beer can, like you speak of, is that worth it to walk away that morning from your kids, you know, tears in your eyes? Are they able to share in that with you? Absolutely right now, it is. It's so rewarding and so fulfilling that it all worked out just fine. You know, and, and my kids, they, they don't know anything about 100000 They don't know what that means. Every time I go to an event, though, the first question my son or my daughter asks me is, Dad, did you win a trophy? They understand that it takes sacrifice in order to be able to claim victory on a consistent basis. They understand it. They support it. Are they happy about me sometimes being gone? No. Am I happy? No. But I know if this is what I want to do and I want to get in the winner circle, that it takes sacrifice. And so, yeah, it, it's all worth it right now. Like I said, to be able to put a plan together, to be able to execute on the plan, just making it to the All-American, in my opinion, was executing on the plan. But to win the All-American, that is what you'd call not just because of me, because you know I'm not egotistical or anything like that, but I'm humble. But that is a champion's plan, and I'm so blessed to be the champion in this situation. Yeah, no doubt. I, I got to say, too, in kind of your breakdown of what you feel like is making you successful, it really sounds like to me, and I hear this over and over with a lot of different anglers, but to have white-collar success in bass fishing takes a blue-collar approach. And obviously, you've taken that approach and, and have had white-collar success. So congratulations to you, Marcus. But really quick. It's time for you to break down and O'Reilly Auto Parts, the professional parts people,
simple Bass Edge listener question. We've got a question from Vance Drilling from Dallas, Texas, Marcus, and he asks, I mostly fish a reservoir that gets a lot of pleasure boat traffic during the summer months. Being from Lake of the Ozarks, you know all about that, right? My alley. All right. Other than fishing at night, do you have any tips for how to best fish in the traffic and choppy water that the boat wakes create, and have you ever found a pattern tied to that additional chop? Yes, the answer is yes, and what a great question, and, and, and it's so funny. I hope that they understand that this is up my wheelhouse. I mean, there was times that I would run to look for the areas with the majority of the boat traffic. First of all, that boat traffic, in my opinion, doesn't do anything to the fish. They've lived their whole life listening to those props turn. They don't know. They don't care. And Sometimes I think it even helps them. What I do in those situations is I love to get a big jig with a big trailer, you know, maybe like a three-eighths or a half-ounce jig with like a full-size brush hog trailer or something like that. And if there's seawalls on the lake or riprap, what I love to do is I love to get in those areas where those waves are crashing. I'll flip that jig up there and I'll just pull it off and let it just fall straight down. Pull it off and let it fall straight down. And you'd be surprised how many big fish will congregate to those areas. And those waves are knocking those crawdads off and disorienting the shad and all of those things. And they will go and they will congregate in those areas. So, yes, absolutely. You're going to need a butt seat and you're going to need a trolling motor with a little longer shaft. But, yeah, I've done that many a times and it can be an absolute blast. And everybody else in the entire universe is trying to avoid it. Sometimes if you pursue it, it'll definitely yield some dividends for you. So I hope that works out for you, listener. The only thing I would add is a good tie-down to strap your butt to that butt seat and make sure you're wearing your life preserver. It gets rough, boy. I mean, it'll get rough, but I'm here to tell you what. A lot of times they'll jar. It'll be some of the most explosive jig butts you've ever had. And the reason I say that, Vance, I hope you understand, because what Marcus is saying, I mean, if you're not familiar with Lake of the Ozarks, I call it the pinball machine, because that's really where I cut my teeth bass fishing all the way back in the 80s before they had all the ego involved with these massive boats. But, you know, it's full of seawalls and bluffs and everything else, and the waves from the boat traffic has nowhere to go. It just sits there and bounces off everything. Yeah, they just resonate throughout the whole entire world water column all the way from side to side all day long. That's right. Yeah, I've had some explosive, unbelievable jig fishing trips actually pursuing that. So it's kind of funny, your listener. That's, that's a perfect question for me because I've been there and done that. And yes, definitely pursue it and, and best of luck on that. Well, Marcus, thanks uh, so much for assisting with that question from Vince. Vince, just a reminder to get that $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. I need you to send us an email. Let us know that you heard Marcus answer your question right here on the show. And listeners, keep sending in those questions via our Facebook page and, of course, Twitter handle at Bass Edge or email us support at BassEdge.com. Marcus, as always, in particular this time, congratulations. What a just a fantastic story. Tremendous insight. It's going to help not only many of our listeners, but really me personally. That's the real reason why I wanted you on here, Marcus. You know that, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm a selfish man. I'm a selfish man. But, hey, you know, in all seriousness, any final uh, thoughts as we shut this thing down? Yeah, you know, thanks, Aaron. Yeah, what, one last final thought out there, and, and, and it's just a personal reflection. In all sincerity, that check didn't mean anything to me as much as the amount of support, the amount of congratulations, the amount of attaboys that I got. You know, I'm emotional right now. I mean, you know, a lot of times you just ask yourself, are you living a life with fulfillment? And that, and that was more than anything, the gratitude that I got. Just the sheer amount of congrats and, you know, the people that were happy for me, all of you out there, I can't thank you enough. And I know I'm going to the Forcewood Cup and I'm going to represent, I've got the BFL Nation on my back. And win, lose, or draw, it'll be guns blazing from this guy. So I really hope to make everybody proud and continue that. But more, more than anything, 
thank you everybody out there for the support, you guys included. We really appreciate it, everything you do for our industry and uh, and what you do for me as well and your listeners. So that more than anything, life's not about a trophy, life's not about a fish, life's not about a check. It's about how you live your life and uh, pretty awesome. You're pretty blessed, that's for sure. Well, Marcus, I appreciate you sharing your journey and we are definitely going to uh, keep following along, man. You are the man at this moment and I hope you keep riding that wave. Stay tuned. Bass Edge Radio will be back after this quick break. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Man, Kurt, I will tell you, I know the episode was lengthy. I almost feel like I need to go lie down on my couch and just absorb what I just heard there. Yeah, the emotional roller coaster that Marcus went through, putting down a real specific plan, then for it to work out, but yet still have obstacles in the middle of working that plan. You know, there's so many lessons to learn through the whole journey that Marcus had. I'm super glad he was able to share that with us. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed that. I think it really resonates with everybody at Bass Edge now. Again, whether you're going to drop the bobber or cast the plastic worm at the local pond or you want to be the next All-American champion. Pretty cool story. For episode 188, I am Kurt Dove for Aaron Martin. We appreciate your support of Bass Edge Radio. We'll see you again August 1st. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.